Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watch the youth them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield mad skills, lotty dotty, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as always, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? As always. <laughs> you know, I like to change change things up here and there. You know, my. Uh, the way I sent this out last time kind of threw you for a loop, so I thought I'd throw you for another loop, but, you know, just change things up here. Yeah, man, that was weird. I, I didn't know how to respond. I was kind of, kind of lost <laughs> there for a second. Um, okay, folks, we're here for episode 55 of the Padres EBT podcast, and uh, we are joined by, uh, or we, we will be joined by special guest Craig Goldstein, uh, minor league editor for Baseball Prospectus. Uh my, the Padres minor league system is, is is something that's a hot commodity, something that everyone wants to talk about. So we thought we'd get an uh, expert in here to kind of chew the fat with us. Yeah, we talked to Craig, oh man, it was like last February. It's been about a year and a half now. So it's yeah. been, been a while since we had him on the show. Um, that was a good conversation back then. I'm sure we'll have another good conversation here today. For sure. I mean, the the topic of uh, of conversation last Last time was was based on uh, you know it was a lot of Kemp talk. There was Myers talk, Renfro, Margot. Uh, there's some Javier Guerra talk in there. So uh, it'll be interesting to hear his thoughts uh, on the new players that have just been flourishing, uh, in particular like a Tatis or, or Bias. Man, we had Javier Guerra talk. That's pretty great. Yeah, Man, yeah it was well, a different at, time, at, right? <laughs> yeah, at that time he was ranked in the top. Five, I would say, wasn't I think he? he was, at, I think he was number one in some people's lists. Uh, ugh, him and Margot wow. were kind of one two for most people. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the, at the time of the deal, it was uh, whether or not Margot or Guerra was the get in the trade, and uh, obviously we know who the major acquisition of that deal was. <laughs> I mean, Guerra <laughs> might be at the bottom of that list now with Allen doing well and Aswahe's in the bigs doing well. I mean, he's seriously quickly, he's quickly gone from top to bottom there, which in a year yeah. and a half, that's pretty crazy that that's happened. Yeah, really, really, and and I mean that foursome is is going to provide some returns for the teams for sure. I mean that's why he's already doing it, and Allen's progressing very well at his young age. So it's it's a uh, it's been a good return. We can't uh, we can't complain too much about the loss of King Craig Kimbrell for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm he's doing great this year, but I'm not missing him. That's a good return there. They made the move when they needed to, and it's paid off so far. And we'll see how it yep. pays off going forward. Yep, uh, Padres lost today. Uh, there was a. Huge hand discussion. Uh, I know Patrick's just ready to talk about this. Uh, Man, that was Brad fun, was wasn't brought, it? Brad, yeah, Brad Hand was brought in uh, against Joey Votto in a 2-2 count. Uh, I guess apparently Andy Green said he wasn't uh, warm yet or you know uh, ready to come in. Uh, a lot of Padres Twitter is upset that he was even in in the seventh inning. Uh, you know, at, at this point, that that was the game, and it turned out to be the game, and. Uh, I don't know. I mean, second guessing uh, managers at this point with with the use of a, a bullpen is kind of uh, ridiculous in my eyes. But you know, we're Padre fans. We got nothing else to discuss, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I was at work, so I didn't actually watch it. I just was on my way home, and I saw some tweets from AJ Casavell about it, so I figured I'd kind of poke around and look into it a little bit. And yeah, I saw some tweets from people like, why is Brad Handon in the seventh inning? In, in a, it's, it's, it's not a high-leverage situation, and... I'm like, that's about as high leverage as it gets. I mean, yeah. it's a one-run game. There's two guys on and, and the best hitter on the team. And one of the best hitters in baseball is up at the plate. So, I mean, I, I can defend people saying, well, yeah, he shouldn't have been brought in in the middle of a count. I, I don't like that kind of move either. But if he wasn't ready and you wanted him in that spot against a lefty, it makes sense to bring him in. And I don't think it really rattled him because, yeah, he walked Votto. That's fine. But he struck out the next batter before getting up the grand slam. So I don't think it's really like, yeah. oh, he can't handle not being in the ninth inning. And it's like... I mean, he's handled not being in the ninth inning so many other times this year. So the idea that yeah. a closer can't pitch in the seventh inning or the sixth inning even is, is ridiculous. And I think with how much knowledge we have of the game now, how we can look at everything so intricately, I, I think we're way past criticizing managers for bringing in a reliever early in the game. I mean, I can I, I will criticize Andy Green for doing it mid-plate appearance, which I don't think it's mm-hmm. ever a good result for either, either pitcher, the one being pulled out or the one being brought in, but... I don't think you can really yeah. criticize him for bringing in Brad Hand in what was probably at that point the highest leverage situation in the entire game. And if if Kirby Yates does give up the game there, then you don't end up using Brad Hand at all. So saving your closer for a situation that may never come is just silly to me. And I think he made the right move. Obviously, it didn't work out, but Brad Hand's not perfect. And the fact that he threw what twenty plus scoreless innings, I think that matters more than him giving up three runs on a meaningless game in August. So yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it is what it is, and, and it's it's frustrating. I, I can understand because the result wasn't what people wanted. But, you know, it, second-guessing manager at this point with the usage of the, of the bullpen is kind of – it's just hilarious to me. But, you know, people are going to complain about what they want to complain. Uh, it's, it's funny because most people are talking about the tank. And this loss or these losses to Cincinnati are actually pretty vital and, and beneficial for the tank in the long run. Uh, you come down to the last week of the season and the Reds and, and us are neck and neck as far as record con- is concerned. A, you know, a difference between a, a fifth selection to a fourth selection to a third selection in the draft is, is pretty huge. I mean, we talked about that last night in our podcast. So at this point, they're not going to be World Series champions. They're not going to be playoff contenders. They're not even going to probably finish around 500. So uh, going crazy over the usage of Brad Hand in the seventh inning is, is just – you're just going to drive yourself crazy. I mean, there's there's – bigger fish to fry with uh with this Padre team in my, in my eyes yeah maybe i'm like not a good fan but i've just seen so many fans getting so upset about today's game and it's like i just don't even care like maybe i'm a bad fan maybe i'm just so checked out that <laughs> it doesn't matter to me but it's like worrying about losing a game like this at this point is just i mean yeah it's your team and you hate to see your team lose but in the grand scheme it doesn't really matter and it's actually i think it's beneficial i mean the reds are what now i think they're only two games worse than us now after the three exactly three or four they won so I, i'm all yeah. about it let's let's keep losing yeah just yet <laughs> the, the, it's it's about the minor leagues that's that's what it's about that's the development of the young players about them getting better or wins and losses and and what comes up on the scoreboard isn't necessarily the the tall tale say, say, uh, stat that everyone wants to see it's it's about progression and it is about minor leagues so you know it's about the future. So um, without further further ado, uh, let's bring in Craig Goldstein and uh, talk about the Padres farm system. Uh, stick with us, folks. We will be right back with episode 55 of the East Village Times podcast 
uh, sponsored by Original Grain Watches. These Village Times podcast is sponsored by Original Grain Watches. Uh, for a limited time, they're offering a promotion code for us, for all of our listeners. Uh, EBT15 is the promotional code, and that will give, give you 15% off uh, their entire uh, inventory. So check it out. OriginalGrain.com is the site. Uh, they make some beautiful watches, local company based out of San Diego. Uh, check them out. Welcome back, folks, to episode 55 of the East Village Times podcast. Uh, we are lucky to be joined uh, by and with uh, Craig, Colst- Craig Goldstein, uh, minor league editor for Baseball Prospectus. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm doing really well. How are you guys doing? We are doing well. Uh, excited to talk to you. We we last spoke in uh, February of 2016. Uh, the Padres were being led by Matt Kemp, who I know is a personal <laughs> favorite of yours. Um, he is, yeah. The farm system was uh, Margot, Renfro, a little bit of Hedges, some Javier Guerra. Uh, AJ Preller's changed gears, obviously. We have a lot to talk about in the, in this farm system. Uh, first off, give me your impression overall of what he's done and kind of, you know, just your impression of this young farm system. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really healthy farm system with an emphasis on depth. Um, I mean, the the number of names that that we can talk about, we will talk about, but probably some we won't even get to. And there are some some really interesting guys that we we might not even touch on. Um, I I think Preller's really a fascinating case. I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's done a really good job restocking the system, but how that plays out, obviously, yet to be seen. Um, and I, I think it's something that he's gone back to his basics, right? He's always been uh, a scouting development guy. He's mined uh, the the Latin American market, the international market, really well over the years when he was back in Texas. I think he's done that really well, and we're starting to see the fruits of that, uh, both guys he signed, guys he's traded for uh, now. So, I mean, I think I, I've been impressed with what he's done with the caveat that, you know, it's all kind of below the surface, right? Eventually it has to matter at the major league level. So we'll see, we'll, we'll kind of see on that one. Yeah, no, it, it's exciting. Padre fans are definitely taking notice. Uh, I think a majority of the educated fans are spending probably more of their time on the farm system and watching the farm system than they are at the major league team, just because they're just so excited of, of what, the the buzz that's that's been about this 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 team and in, in the 47 years of this franchise there's never really been uh, a farm system cultivation like like's presently happening i mean you can argue in maybe the late 80s early 90s with the alamars and Bayergas mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that but there's never really been an embracement of latin talent like this and just it's it's just fascinating to see these kids grow it and at such young such a young age i mean let's talk about fernando tatis yeah. One of probably the 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 leader of 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 all the 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 fire and the, the the hot topic and and just the passion that everyone has about this team, you know he's basically I don't want to say come out of nowhere, but the White Sox kind of just threw him in there and as an 18 year old, he's just I mean he's setting the world on fire. Uh, give me your impression of Tatis. I know there's still some rough edges with him, but uh, give me your impression of, of the young man. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a really exciting talent. He's someone who, um, I mean, it, it, he's just, like you said, they've thrown him into the fire, and he has not only survived. I mean, when you go back and look at prospects kind of like this who have been pushed aggressively, you think about uh, someone like Raul at, at Alberto Mondesi or Raul Mondesi Jr., whatever you want to call him. Um, you know, he's someone who kind of survived at each level and flashed tools, and that was someone that, 
got a lot of the the scouting world excited, but Tatis isn't surviving. Um, he's he's really thriving. He's hitting he's hitting the ball really well. He's hitting the ball for power. Uh, he's he's run a little bit, and you know he's he's flashed a little bit of everything, and it's been it's been really good at low A. Now, does that mean he's going to be a star? No, but at this point, he's shown everything that you've wanted to see um, over the course of a year, and probably more than anyone expected to see. So, I, I mean, I had someone when we were doing our midseason top fifty update. Um, I was talking to the people that I know in the industry, and I had someone say he's a top fifteen talent. Uh, that's not where we put him. You know, we 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 pull a lot of people. We take our own looks. We've we've had people out in the Midwest League see him a bunch. Um, so we we wait all of that. But it, you know, there are people in the industry who view him in in that light. Yeah, I think he's actually yeah. gotten even better um, since you guys have done the update. I think he's he's really every month he's getting better. I mean, he's cutting down strikeouts. He's walking more. He's doing more in the field with the glove. He's stealing bases. He's hitting for power. I mean, he's just really doing everything. I think it's great to see a guy like that who we, we got for basically paying off James Shields' contract. <laughs> a guy mm-hmm. like that we got for James Shields. It's, just, it's pretty insane to see. I think it's a really good sign of where this team's headed long-term if he can at least reach some of that star-level potential. Um, I wanted to talk briefly about another guy who maybe gets a little overshadowed because he shares a, a team as Tatis. I want to talk about Jorge Ona. Um, he he yep. usually bats behind Tatis in the lineup. Um, he's kind of in in his shadow a bit because Tatis has kind of really turned heads and, and brought all the eyes on him. But I wanted your thoughts on Ona and what you guys have seen from him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Ona probably, like you said, gets overshadowed because of, of where he is. And also, he was someone who generated a lot of hype when they signed him. He was part of that huge international class, and he was a significant part of it, right? I mean, uh, so so... He had a lot of hype, and I think he's just come off a little slower than Tatis has. But when when you look at we have, we have an eyewitness report on him from from this year from one of our mid Midwest League guys, and when you look at his his future grades, he gave him a future fifty uh, hit and a future sixty power, and that's that's not at all selling short. You know the guy he was when he was signed. So he's he's hit really well. It's he's not hitting for as much power. Um, as Tatis is, as he might hit for down the line, but he's 20 years old. He's went right into full season ball, and he's again, you know, he's showing an approach. He's willing to take a walk and work the count. Um, he he's hitting for average right now, and I think he's a guy that once he gets a little more comfortable, uh, once he works with their uh, dev guys a little bit more, you're going to see him start turning on the ball and and the way that the ball comes off his bat. Um, he's got strong hands, like good wrists, and you're going to start seeing those balls go over the fence. He's going to start hitting for extra bases and, and for home runs. And so I think that's just something that's going to come in time. It's not there right now when you look at the stats, but when you watch him play, you see how hard he hits the ball, um, and, and you know that it's going to come in time. Yeah. Owen is just a, he's just a stud. I mean, I've heard reports on him that his uh, – his physique is just, I mean, amazing for being such a young age. And um, I wonder about his defense. Have you heard much or seen much on his defense uh, in the outfield? Yeah, I, I, our report on him has him with a below average glove and an average arm. I, I think okay. the arm is fine for right right uh, field, but he he's not, he's not exactly a plotter, but he's not quick. 
Um, okay. And so that's just going to affect his range in the outfield. Um, so he's not probably not a stellar defender, but uh, you, you, this is a guy who you're in on for the bat. Um, and, and it's worth noting that, you know, some of these guys, and, and it depends on their physique, it depends on, on kind of how they're built, and Ona is a guy who's really mature, like, you, in terms of his build. So you can say he's 20, you know, I said he's 20 years old, he's in low A. I think he's going to make adjustments to hit for power over time based on getting more comfortable at the plate, adding a little loft into his swing, uh, because he already does make hard contact, and that's going to put the ball over over the fence. Uh, someone like Tatis, obviously hitting for power already, but he kind of has a different frame where he can grow into his power and add a little more weight, add a little more muscle, and add power that way. So there's more ways more than one way to add power, number one. But number two, if you're looking at these guys, if you're just uh, you know a fan who's trying to keep track of their names, just because they're both young and in low A and a few years away from the majors doesn't mean their growth is going to come in the same way or happen kind of in the same amount of time. Okay. It's, it's interesting. And it's, it's, I mean, it's true. You have to kind of – they're still so young, and they still enable, so it's still – matter a work of progress if you will um let, let's stick to the cuban theme right now because that's the padres have just uh, had a pretty successful uh, international market um michelle Baez is someone who's kind of come out of nowhere he wasn't highly praised on the international market uh i don't think he was in the top 30 uh, prospects before uh he was signed out of cuba uh what are your reports on him i mean it, it's a, a lot of padre fans are getting really excited about this young man yeah, yeah, and they should actually. That's 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 someone you can buy in on uh, right now. I, and but it's important to to understand. Like, I don't want to temper excitement, but excitement mm-hmm. can go in a variety of ways when you're this far away. We we got yes. our first report on Baez uh, from one of our guys who was out in uh, Arizona, and so really before he was. This is complex league ball right and it's it's very low level but he's a towering presence he's six foot eight uh he's a really big guy and the fastball uh so he's got big extension because of his long levers uh fastball hits the the mid 90s can touch a little higher has run on it he gets good playing on it because of his height uh he misses bats with the fastball which is always something that you you want to see and it, it's just he's an imposing presence on the mound, and he can do so much with the fastball already um, that you're talking about. It's a plus pitch uh, already right now. And and then on top of that, he showed a couple different breaking balls, a slider and a, and a curveball. They're, they're more in development at present, but it's more than enough to overpower um, – guys in in complex league league ball and we we do have a report on him from the midwest league because we always try and update our looks um and that's that's free for people if they want to visit bp we you know if you if you just do a player search for uh for bias you'll see it'll come up it's a it's an eyewitness report on his page and we've got video there too so you can get a look at him um but you know you're you're talking about potential average pitches down the line in the breaking balls um, and that's something that he's going to need, especially a curveball, if he's going to turn over a lineup more often than to stay as a starter. They're obviously going to give him every chance to do that, but the report that we published, and, and against one person's opinion, but had a realistic outcome of a setup reliever, uh, could be a closer. Okay. You know, that's something okay. that's still, when you're talking about a low-A guy, that's a major yeah. leaguer. That's really valuable. And it's not to say... His his potential, his ceiling is higher than that, and and we want to yes. keep that in people's mind. But we also do try and provide what a realistic outcome for someone this far away from the majors might be, because 
we don't know. You know, we have a we say he has a slider and a curveball. If they don't develop like we anticipate, then you know you, he's really only working with a fastball. If he develops a changeup, all of a sudden you're talking about a starter with four pitches, and, yeah. and that's a different scenario. So there, it, it's kind of you know we can't predict the future, but we're trying to provide kind of degrees of confidence in that sense. No, definitely. And, you know, in his last start, I did see him featuring a little more of a changeup and and getting some swing and misses on that. So the the Padres are definitely working with him in in that regard. And and that's, and that's all part of the development. And again, we have someone write up this report. He didn't see a a changeup this day. And so maybe he just Uh wasn't throwing it, but we can only work with the information you have, you know? So, and that's for people to keep in mind when they're reading our reports, it's all, it's all a snapshot. Um, and so we're, we're trying to provide as much information as possible, and you want to be as as informed as possible. But yep. things change, and that's why it's important to know what he's doing in his subsequent starts. For sure. I mean, we're talking about a 21 year old kid. He's it's still, like you say, a long ways away. But it's just a, it's exciting when you see a guy hitting upper 90s and with his uh, size being able to repeat his de- his delivery and, and his motion is is, and is, that's a is big, really. Yeah, thing, as you know, I mean, you you see guys that size like Tyler Glass now, who even though he had dominating results all the way up, he was all over the place with his mechanics. So that, yeah. that bias has the athleticism to control it a bit. Um, yeah. And and you mentioned the fastball. I mean, the velocity is great, but it's got movement too. And it's a, it's yes. a, it's a heavy pitch that guys when they make contact, they just they can't get hard contact on it, stuff like that. And that's all really valuable. So he's definitely sure. someone to keep an eye on. And, you know, again, a setup reliever realistic outcome might not excite you, but we're going to keep tabs on him, as as you mentioned, uh, you know, whether the changeup comes, stuff like that. And we're going to update that kind of stuff over the offseason. And, and that's what we suggest everyone does. Just up, update your information and, and see how it's going to play out into the future. Yeah, no, they're, they're, all these youngsters are work in progress. They're all developing. They're all, uh, you know, the, the – game of baseball is about adjustments and they're all making them for sure um let, let's let's move on to a left-handed counterpart tobias uh who got a lot of hype um adrian Morhone. uh there's been uh, you know obviously there's a lot of hype coming out of him he was signed for uh, 11 million dollars i believe yep. um he's younger than than uh than baez at 18 but i've heard that his secondary stuff is is already very well developed and very well polished and he seems to have a a high a higher ceiling if you will um talk to me about morhone and and what you think that uh, his ultimate uh, abilities will be yeah and it's it's interesting to have these two guys back to back as we discussed Tatis and Ona back to back morhone is uh he's he's only 6 foot Right, so talk about a difference in body type, right? He's yeah. eight inches yeah. shorter than Baez, uh, but he is significantly more polished. I mean, we we gave him a again. We have someone again. If you want to go to our site and look him up, we have video. We have a, a report on Morhome from August first, so you know, very recent. Um, he he's got a fastball that hits the mid nineties. He's a lefty, so you get you know he's he gets a little tick up for being a lefty and having uh, comparable velocity. So he's he's got a plus, maybe better uh, fastball on the four seamer. He also threw a two seamer in this start, which had a nice arm side run. Uh, and and one of the biggest thing that stands out for Morahone is that he's. Like I said, he's polished. He knows where he's throwing the ball already. He's only 18, but he's got this feel for pitching that is well beyond his years. 
and he's he's also showing a curveball that had he had the ability to throw it for strikes. He had the ability to drop it out of the zone for swings and misses, and and he showed a changeup as well. So you're talking about with the two fastballs, a four pitch arsenal, much more of a starter's arsenal. And given his feel uh, for the ball, his ability to miss bats with the fastball, with the curve curveball, showing a changeup already feels a lot more like a starter. Um, but but something to note again, you talk about. Baez and his height, and Morahone and his height. Morahone is also pretty thick set as it is. Um, we, as we wrote in our report, he's physically mature, so he's 18 years old, and he is going to get better. We anticipate he's going to improve, but it's not going to be those. Like I said about Ona compared to Tatis, uh, Tatis, it, it, it's not going to be the same way he gets better as Baez, right? It's not going to be those physical developments of adding weight and throwing harder. He's pretty much physically developed as it is. Um, so it's really going to be about refining his um, his curveball, refining his changeup, and sharpening those, which we believe he can do because he already shows such a field for pitching. But it's going to be about those type of adjustments as opposed to just you know growing into his body physically. I wanted to uh, move from Fort Wayne up to San Antonio. I want to talk about Luis Arias. Uh, I know Tatis is getting much of the hype uh, in that middle infield. Um kind of the depth that the Potters have in the middle infield. But I, I think Arias is a guy who's sort of like, I guess he's so consistently good the last, what, two years that people kind of have overlooked him at this point. I, I wanted your guys' thoughts on kind of how, how BP views him and, and what the future is there. Yeah, well, there's actually, he's one of the more uh, divisive guys uh, at BP. He's someone I have, uh, I personally have not been on board with as much as uh, some others. He can really hit. I mean, that that is not debatable, right? So I want to be clear that even when we disagree, we can agree that, uh, you know, on certain things. He's, he's one of the best pure hitters out there. He does not strike out a lot. I know he has, uh, you know, since the bump up to double A, he struck out more than, than he did in, in any of the low minors, but he's still hitting really well. I mean, the question for me is whether he's going to hit for power. And that was something that he was doing in his time um, uh, at, at high A. Uh, he's kind of tailed off a bit in that respect at double A. He is only 20 years old. So the fact that he's, He's hitting as well as he is and walking in double digit, you know, his walk rates in the double digits already. I mean, this this is a very advanced skill set, but it, it's, again, similar to someone like Morahone as a pitcher that you're wondering where is the growth going to be? Um, so I, I think he's very advanced. He's very good at what he does. He's not a phenomenal defender. So it, there's ultimate, you know, down the line value questions, but what he's really good at is, is hitting. I mean, he's a plus hitter, possibly better than that. And I don't think we should ignore that or, or, you know, discount that just because he's not showing power. Now, those guys that tend to outperform their projections from scouting standpoints tend to be the guys that can just straight up hit. I mean, it might be that he's not going to ever hit for, for, you know, many home runs, but if you can put the ball in play and, you know, give you, you kind of help the power play up just based on the amount that you get base hits. You know what I mean? You're, you're putting the ball in play so much that you're going to end up with a few more doubles or, or whatever it might be over, you know, over the course of a season. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you see him as a guy who could grow into power a little bit more? Kind of like, I mean, Jose Altuve hit what? I think like sure. 10, 10 home runs his first year, and he's kind of slowly built up. And I think uh, Rudin Odor is another guy who I think his first year with the Rangers hit nine home runs, then he hit 16 home runs, and now he's up hitting over 30 every year, it seems. So 
is, is he a guy you see fitting that sort of mold, or is, is, is the size going to always go against him? Because, I mean, he's 5'9", probably weighs 160, 170 pounds soaking wet. Do you think that's something that's going to go against him long term? Um, I, I'm more of the mind that it would go against him long term, but I want to caveat that by saying, you know, I never thought Jose Altuve was going to hit for this type of power either. I think Odor was a little bit different. He was always a smaller guy, like you said, he's five nine, but he always had a very uphill swing, mm-hmm. um, and and so he kind of he geared his swing for more power than these other guys have, and and you see that bear out in the strikeout rate too. He he doesn't make as much contact as someone like Altuve does. You know, I think Altuve is obviously the model that you'd love to see someone like uh, Urias follow in, but there's only one Jose Altuve, so I don't want to, you know, I wouldn't walk around thinking that we're going to get another one. Is it possible? You know, I think it is. I, I, this this is a little far afield from, from the minor leagues, but if you look at when Jose Altuve's power ticked up, it was also in that second half of 2015 when people have, you know, suspected that the MLB changed the baseballs and that they're carrying a little further, stuff like that. So I think that plays into it. I think it helped someone like Altuve who might have been more towards morning track power. Now, Altuve has also made his own adjustments that I think combine to make that big power adjustment uh, in that he's putting the ball in the air more and the ball is traveling a little further in the air now than it used to. And I think that really helped him uh, see an uptick in, in power and home run numbers especially. Um, but it's that's not to say if the balls stay as they are now that Urias can't gear his swing a little bit differently and take advantage of that. Uh, I, I think if you look at the bigger picture of guys who are 5'9", 160, this is something that I've talked about with uh, Ozino Albies, Ozzy Albies for the Braves too. The, the track record of guys that weight and height, um, and it obviously does depend how they're built a little bit, but that weight and height uh, making a big impact is, is not very good. And that, again, none of that is to say that it can't, but when you're, when you are creating those, those profiles, it's something to keep in mind. I mean, I think the names that, that came up when I looked at it were uh, someone you're familiar with, Luis Sardinas. Um, oh, man. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, someone like, and Alexi Amarista, also a Padre. So, oh, man, I mean, even worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, Amarista might have a better career when it's all said and done. But That's true. That being said, it's, it's something just that, you know, those guys do make the majors. They do have value. And and there are exceptions. Obviously, Altuve is an MVP. So it, it's not to say it can't go the other way. But we do need to keep that in mind with that when looking at the larger picture. Yeah, and it, it's, you know, I know you're not a big comp guy, and really neither am I. But I think Arias is always going to have that Altuve comp with him just because they're both handled bats so well, both small in stature and both right-handed hitters. So yeah, we'll yeah, just I have to wait those, and see. Those happen for a reason. And and part of the reason yeah. I bring up Sardinius and, and Amarista is because, again, if you want to take a comp from a different perspective, you know, exactly. it, it can look a lot worse. So that's that's the danger with comps. But but comps are made for a reason. And and the reason they're made, like you said, for, for Urias is – he can really hit the ball. I mean, and it's it's extremely impressive. So I don't want anyone to to come away thinking I, I, I'm talking trash about Urias. I, I'm not. It's just we have to kind of zoom out a little bit and say, you know, what is this going to mean in the bigger picture? For sure, for sure. Well, let's stick with the San Antonio theme. Uh, that 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 uh, team has played really well. They won the first half. They're well on their way to 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 hopefully winning the second half. Uh, the bullpen's been dominant for them. Um, but I'd like to talk about uh, Eric Lauer and and uh, Cal Quantrill, who both got called up. 
Lauer's been dealing with a little bit of a rough spot. Quantrill's actually lowered his ERA from the California League. Uh, give me your impression of those two. I, I've talked to both of them numerous times. They they feed off each other. They're really good friends. Um, give me your impression of, of, of both those pitchers. Yeah, I mean, I think Lauer is the kind of guy that I, I'm not shocked that he's kind of hit a little bit of a speed bump in double A. And I don't want that to come off the wrong way, but he's mm-hmm. someone who I expected to because he was more of an advanced, uh, he, he was a polished guy, right? So I expected him to take yeah. advantage of, of lower minors hitters who are tend to be a little bit more aggressive, um, and, and, and you don't necessarily have to have quite as quality stuff to post great uh, numbers in the lower minors as you do in the upper minors. Um, he's, he's a guy who can really spot his uh, pitches on the corners. I mean, and I don't I don't want to say that Lauer has bad stuff. He's a first-round pick for a reason, right? He, he's, you know, we've seen him 89 to 92, touching the mid 90s, and and that's really that absolutely works from a lefty. But he's got a really nice delivery. Uh, he's got four, like what, four pitches, I think, and it's it's they're all none of them are gonna blow you away, but. You know, there it's you know it's one of those situations where he's got a bunch of options and they're average, average or better um, almost all the time. It depends on the night. Obviously, sometimes he doesn't have it, but um, he, he misses barrels more than he does bats. Um, it, you know, might be a way to phrase it, where he's not mm-hmm. necessarily going to strike out a ton of guys at the highest level, but he can keep guys uh, off his pitches both with kind of late movement and also because he has so many options at at his disposal, they don't necessarily know what's coming. Um, But yeah, I I think it's, it's something that he's got an above average fastball, especially as a lefty and that plus the, the slider and the curve and, you know, all his different options let him, I think he's a major leaguer. I think it's probably a back of the rotation slider uh, starter. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's, really valuable and that's that's nothing to sneeze at given where they picked him in the back of the first round um but but i think he's a really polished guy um and so i'm not surprised like i said that he hit a speed bump in double a i do expect him to figure it out as well yeah um for sure with Quantrill, i know he's he's the more hyped guy right i mean he was yeah he was the guy that some people were talking about as a top you know, as, as a top towards the top of the draft overall, and and the Padres worked their magic to you know to get him where they got him. Um, he he definitely has some more exciting stuff. Um, he can hit hit a little higher on the speed gun. Uh, but when when our guy who saw him, I now I haven't seen him. We have one person who saw him in Double A, but it was one start. We have um, another guy, Wilson Caraman. I'm not sure if you guys have talked to him on our team who who gets out to a ton of games. He saw him in the Cal League uh, a bunch of times, and we have video of him in the Cal League. Uh, I, you know, I think we had him as more of a mid rotation starter at the top end, and maybe more of a fourth starter, realistic. Which I again, I feel like might be a disappointment based on the height, based on on where the Padres took him in the draft, but. Th- the, there's enough enough stuff there for more. I want to be clear on that. It's it's just you know again it, trying to divine how it's all going to play out. Um, I think he was a little loose with his command on his fastball. Uh, the changeup is really good, uh, potentially a plus plus pitch. He really sells it with his arm speed. Uh, and and for for me and when I've talked to Wilson, what the basically the way that 
that it's worked out with Quantrill is we really want to see him sharpen that curveball. Because right now the, the fastball is very good. It's you know it's a plus pitch from the right side. Hits ninety six. You know hits ninety five a bunch. Uh, and the, and the changeup is gonna he's gonna obviously he he blew through the lower minors with that. If you've got a good changeup, you can usually dominate the lower minors. Um, what I want to see him is miss bats and really snap off some sharp curveballs that he can miss bats with uh, at, at the double A level. Uh, I figured since we talked about Quantrill and Lauer, we should probably bring Joey Lucchese into the conversation. Uh, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on him? I know James uh, left him off that little uh, discussion there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's an interesting guy, right? He was an under-slot guy. I think he got $100,000 um, in, in the fourth round. I, he's another. He's a guy that, that Wilson loves. Um, and he's got a funky delivery I mean, I, I think he, he's someone a few of our guys have seen, and, and they all bring up the delivery. I think it really throws hitters off. Um, I, I think the problem that we've seen with with Lucchese is the curveball just doesn't offer a ton of promise. Um, and, you know, I think the question is, can he can he make progress with the curveball, or is he better off maybe turning it into more of a harder, shorter breaking ball, cutter, slider type thing? Uh, you know, obviously cutter, fastball, but it's all on a spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, he keeps the ball on the ground a ton. I think he keeps guys off off his pitches, given the delivery. Um, he can hit 95 with the fastball. I mean, it's. I, I also want to point out, we bring up all these guys, and it is velocity is more common these, these days anyway, but it's crazy how many guys the Padres have that are hitting 95 with consistency, right? <laughs> um, I mean, that's something that if, if you only follow the Padres system, you might think, oh, this, you know, this is, and, and you know that velocity <laughs> up in, across the league. This is not yeah. normal. This, yeah. is, this is crazy that so many guys uh, in their system, and even a fourth rounder like Lucchese is, you know, he can hit 94 pretty consistently, touch 95. Um, it, it just... It's funny because we talk about so many of these guys, how many people we say that about. Um, but like I said, really good at keeping the ball on the ground. Another guy with a, a, a good change-up, there's good deception to it, has really nice uh, action in terms of dropping off the table. It's it's I've seen our guys have, have a plus pitch on it already. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think based on when I read, I have not seen him personally. I've seen video, obviously. But when I when I read the stuff and, and when I talk to our guys who have seen him, uh, probably, a, probably a reliever, right? But, again, it's one of those things that if you see the curveball take a step forward, if you see that he, he does develop a slider or a cutter that, that can miss bats and, and work in on, uh, on, on righties since, you know, he is a lefty, um, I, I think that's something that's going to be – uh, the determinant on whether you know whether he sees success, but yeah, m- definitely the the delivery and all that kind of says he's a reliever down the line. Hey, but with that funky motion, I think he could be a heck of a reliever. So that's not that's not really a yeah. bad worst case scenario. And that <laughs> you see those guys, right? You see those guys, and that was you know. And if you want to, you know, again, if you want to throw the Altuve thing out on on some of these some of these you know, smaller guys you can really hit. Yeah, everyone thought Chris Sale was going to be a reliever. Now, he doesn't have Chris Sale stuff either, worth pointing out. But you see a lot of these guys with funky deliveries uh, end up having a lot of success in relief. And and we've seen, you know, you talk about Brad Hand. I mean, we talk about the Padres bullpen. You see how valuable relievers are. Mm-hmm. So um, I, it, it's nothing, again, it's, it's not meant as a knock. It's just meant as a how we see it playing out down the line. 
Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, I want to bring it back to the major league level. A guy who I guess we hope won't be a reliever, uh, Denelson Lamette, who's debuted and who's actually excelled the last three or four starts. He looked really good. I, I wanted your thoughts on him, what you guys have seen from him as he's progressed to the big, big league level and how he's uh, matured. Yeah, I, I Lamette was someone who was a really interesting name as a prospect, right? And and he's been he's continued to be interesting at the major league level. Um, I am a little bit concerned that he's he's more of a reliever down the line, but it and, and here's why. Um, if you look at and and you'll, you noted that he's he's kind of had a better run of it recently. If you look at his pitch usage, he's someone who relies heavily on that slider mm-hmm. and. He's actually, I mean, in August, he's under 50% fastballs, and he's up to 49% sliders. He's throwing more sliders than he has fastballs, uh, and he, he, you know, he sprinkles in a change here or there, but for the most part, it's not there. Now, that's driven his success, and, and there's, I think we've seen a lot of guys, including relievers, but, but including starters, too, move away from relying on the fastball so much if they don't have a great fastball. Now, his is not bad. He, he can obviously throw hard. Um, but I think we've seen a trend in the last year or two where we've seen guys have more success and reinvent themselves by saying, you know, this is my be- best pitch. I'm going to throw it more. Um, and that's not an unreasonable approach. The question is, is it sustainable? Um the slider, you know, people do think it causes stress on the elbow a little more. So is he putting himself more at risk? That's a question. The other question is, mm-hmm. can he can he keep missing bats if if play? You know, how are how is the league going to react? Um, you know, and and you'll note that the more you use a pitch that you miss bats with, I think the less you miss miss bats with it because people start adjusting to it. And and we've seen that a little bit. Uh, his whiff percentage in August is is under 20%. In May and June, it was over 24% on the slider. Um, so, so again, that, that drop is not necessarily negative given the uptick in usage. But the question is, are those trends going to continue? And is he able, you know, is he going to find some equilibrium where he's going to be a third starter working with two pitches, pitching mostly off the off the slider and, and mixing that about 50-50 with the fastball? Or is he someone who uh, is going to have to kind of vary his usage uh, more often? And and I don't have an answer to that, uh, but it's certainly an interesting question. And, and I've loved seeing him kind of round into shape and, and adjust to the majors by, by doing this. I, I just think the question is, and this is, an example, I, I know I'm rambling, but this is an example of why that third pitch matters so much to prospect people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you have to throw your your breaking ball 50% of the time to see, see success, uh, there's it, it casts doubt on how long you can do that. Yeah, it's definitely important that he develops the third pitch if he's going to stay in the rotation, but... Um, I think kind of going back to our conversation about Lucchese, if Lamette does move to the bullpen, I feel like this could be like an elite reliever, one of the yeah. best relievers in yeah, baseball I mean, with, I, with that you know, combo. And I don't have the numbers in front of me. Maybe you guys have, have seen it more recently for hand, but I mean, his uptick has been a lot of, I have a great slider and I'm going to use it a mm-hmm. lot, right? Yeah. So that's part yeah. of it. Is, that's kind of part of it part of his evolution into this dominant reliever. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's out of play for, for Lament. I mean, I don't, relievers are so hard to figure out most of the time anyway, just because yeah. of variants involved in their sample size. So I don't, I'm not walking out on a, on a limb and saying, you know, Lamette could be Brad hand, but 
are you talking about 90th percentile as a reliever? Could he be Brad Hand? Yeah, I, I mean, he's got a really good slider. And if he, if, if he can just, you know, rear back and throw it one inning at a time without worrying about, you know, who he's shown it to and, and what looks he's shown and, you know, a third time through the order. Yeah, I mean, I think he can be a really good reliever with that quality of a pitch. Yeah, no, it, it's it's just exciting for, again, it's exciting for Padre fans to see someone who, you know, wasn't very heralded, was coming up and performing at the major league level, and it, it's it, it's exciting, it really is. Um, you know, I'd love to get your impression, we, we can sit here and talk about prospects all day long on, on the Padres uh, farm system, but who, out of all the prospects, are you excited about? Who is somebody that, that makes you... Uh, you know, if you were a Padre fan, who would who would you be excited to see uh, eventually in a Padre uniform? Uh, I mean, Tatis is the answer. He's he's the okay. big answer for. I, I I think that's you know that might not be exciting uh, for people exactly, but I, he he's a potential star, maybe more than that. Um, okay. So I, I I mean I think that's that's kind of the straightforward answer. Um, mm. I that's that's top of mind to me. I'm I'm trying to think of. Of who else? But he—he's the potential star. Yeah, um, yeah I think that the majority of, of the the Padres farm system is comprised of sixteen to eighteen, nineteen year olds. So it's kind of early to to gauge exactly who they will be. But it, it's nice. I mean, we've mentioned it before the amount of depth that, that AJ Pearl has provided for this team. And it, it I mean, some of these guys got to got to progress and, and be able to make the jump. I mean, obviously, all of them aren't going to be able to, but some of them have have to be able to to progress and be legit major leaguers and, and it's exciting times yeah and and on top of that i think it, it's like you said depth is important not just because you know i i watch the dodgers a lot i grew up a dodgers fan and and i think their their team this year has shown the importance of depth right and yes, and so yes. that's that's one angle of depth the other angle of depth is sometimes these guys over you know play over the ceiling that we anticipate for them as as evaluators as people you know who who evaluate prospects and so when you have so many guys who even if you think oh a mid rotation guy is not exciting uh or a uh maybe like i said with bias like you know it, our realistic was a setup guy for him but again if he adds a change up and maybe all of a sudden he adds a good change up that takes yeah. That takes his ceiling from from mid rotation guy with a likely reliever to top of the rotation guy with a likely of mid rotation. And you know these guys do adjust. They're they're young kids. They're people in progress. We all learn new skills over time. Um, I, you know it's it's one of those things that those guys do overplay their ceilings. And with that in mind, it having more of more guys with solid ceilings means you have a better chance of someone taking that next step and playing above it too. You know, yeah. someone who develops into a star. I mean, this is, this is Cody Bellinger to me. I mean, I remember when the Dodgers drafted him, he was a, a first base prospect, which is a tough role to have. You know, you really have to be able to hit. He had the bloodlines from his dad, but he was not that big of a power guy. There was a lot of projection there. But I don't think anyone saw a superstar. And as he's played thus far, you know, maybe he won't be a superstar his whole career. But as he's played thus far, that's kind of the tool set he's shown. So, again, 
those guys happen, and that's why those overslot fourth rounders or you know whatever the, they may be. That's why all those guys matter. That's why Preller being so good at the international market. Um, that's why all, I mean, again, Tatis is is already an example of that. He was not heralded yeah. when they traded for him. He was intriguing. Yeah. He was intriguing. Yes. But that's all exactly. it was. And now he's you know I, I, we had him in our top thirty. Um, you know, we he and and like I said, I had someone saying he's a potential top fifteen guy. So yep. that, all of that matters. Um, so, uh, like you said, depth matters, and it might not always be exciting, but sometimes it can be, or it can it can grow to be exciting. For sure. You know, we, we talked about Tatis, and in, in obviously he was kind of picked, cherry picked from the White Sox. Uh, the Padres were really quiet on the trade deadline. Uh, the only deal they consummated was between the Royals. Uh, this seems like the main acquisition uh, was young infielder Estuary Ruiz. Uh, yeah. Can you give me anything on him? Is he going to be able to progress like a Tatis type player? It's he's already shown uh, the skills early on to to be that type of player at, at a young age. Uh, give me some information on him if you have anything. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I mean, I again, not not someone I've seen in person, but but someone I have seen uh, heard about from from sources and. Uh, all the stuff I heard was really impressive, frankly, for someone who who was not that much of a name before the trade, right? Um, yeah. It was has the potential. He's a smaller guy. Um, he's six foot, but he, he's only one fifty listed weight. Um, and I, my understanding is he's he's not much bigger than that. Um, he, you know, sometimes those listed weights are way off, but uh, my understanding is he's really not much bigger than that. But he still makes really hard contact already. And, uh, and he makes a lot of con- – I mean, he, he makes contact enough that people think he's going to hit for average. They like the hit tool. Uh, they like the approach. Uh, they think the pop is going to stay there despite the, the frame and that he can grow into that frame a little bit, add some good weight. Um, a second baseman uh, in the end, uh, but, but decent range, can run a little bit. I mean, nothing necessarily eye-popping, but good tools across the board. And finding those guys that kind of get those reviews – um, again, it was not a, a necessarily a significant trade. I think you look at I, – I know that, that Preller kind of got some criticism uh, based on his asking price of hand and not trading hand. But when you mm-hmm. talk about that he signed Trevor Cahill for nothing, um, and, you know, the guys that they moved, I, I liked the deal for the Royals, but the guys that they moved were, were not long-term, you know, parts of the Padres. Um, yeah. And so to get someone like this who I don't think he's going to take that – Tatis level jump, and I don't think he's going to take it as quickly. But I do think he's a he's a he's part of that depth, right? I mean, he's he's Definitely. A, he's a legitimate prospect. I mean, that was yes. that was essentially the feedback I got. He can hit. Uh, he's got potential for above average power. Uh, at, and at second base, if if you're an average hit, above average power guy, you know that's that's nothing to sneeze at. And uh, you know to get that for for the haul that they sent over, I, I think is is really pretty valuable. Um, especially given the Padres' timeline. So I thought that was a really nice get. I thought it was something that made made a lot of sense for both sides. Did you want to add anything more on uh, Matt Strom? Yeah, I'd love to hear your impression on, on him. I know he was pretty highly uh, heralded uh, beginning of the year and stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, I think he was someone who kind of benefited from the, the Royals not having many prospects. Um, okay, okay. So I, it's not that he's bad, but when you put him – when you take him from the Royal system and put him in the Padres system, he doesn't really stand out in, in that sense. <laughs> I, I think he's a reliever down the line. Okay. Um, I, you know, he's someone, the stuff is there, but I think it's more of a two-pitch guy. I mean, you talk about, you know, obviously a lot of the stuff we talked about with Lamette can, can apply to Strom. 
I, I just don't see another pitch there for him to, to hack it as a starter. I think he's a useful reliever. And, you know, again, you can you can trade, you know, this this trade deadline might not have done it, but we saw what what relievers went for last deadline and, and how, how valuable they were. And I think, you know, he's someone who could turn into a trade chip for them down the line or and, and work as relief in, in the meantime. Uh, but he's obviously at the major league level or or, or right below it um, right now, and I, you know I, I think that's that's a worthwhile piece getting back because they're not going to pay him very much, and they they need some they need people to eat those innings at some point, right? So uh, and and he can operate out of the bullpen now and and have him flip um, flip in a few years. All right, Craig, it's been great talking to you. But before we get you out of here, I have a, a yeah. less serious question: Is there really a writer at Baseball Prospectus named Greg Goldstein? <laughs> There really is, and we're in the same we're in the same general area. That was we got, we got his resume. He came in, and I was t- I talked to to Jeff Paternostro, uh, who's our who our senior prospect writer, and and he said I don't care what his resume is, you have to hire him. Uh, but but he's he's really good. He gets to a ton of games on our you know he's, he's he covers the Carolina and Eastern Eastern leagues for us. Um, He's he's a really good guy, and yes, it's it's bizarre, but it's really true. It is not an alt of mine. Yeah, somehow I never noticed that until the other day, and I was like, "Is that like your alter ego when you want to say something different from what you normally say?" Yeah, <laughs> I think if I if I had anything useful to say, I think you know, for people who follow me on Twitter, will we'll know that you know this. Most people would take my my actual persona as an alter ego to to, to say you know weird things or whatever it might be. <laughs> That's too funny. All right, well, it's been great talking to you, Craig. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to talk all all things Padres. It's really been a great conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, James and Patrick. I, I'm available anytime. Thank you so much, Craig. We will definitely hit you up uh, again shortly, and, and we'd, we'd love to, to continue to talk your ear off about some Padre baseball. Absolutely. Have a good one, guys. Great. Care, Thank Greg. you. Uh, well, there you go, folks. It's it's always it's always wonderful to get an outsider's perspective on the team. Uh, he gives a reality check, basically, on on all of our players. I mean, calling Baez a, a future middle reliever in progress. I mean, that's hey, great. We need reliever. to hear that. <laughs> we need to hear that kind of stuff, though. I mean, we, as as a fan of the team, you get jaded and you you think that every pitcher is going to be an ace and every hitter is going to be a number three hitter. And, and the reality of the situation is it's not that way. So it's nice to have uh, a little bit of a reality check. Of course, I, I don't agree with his ass- assessment on bias. And I, I do believe that he has the ability to, to be a mid rotation starter at the very least, but it, it's wonderful to hear someone's perspective. That's not tied with the team and, and to get that honest, uh, honest, you know, answer. Uh, Craig's been very kind to us, and and we'll definitely be having him again uh, shortly. Yeah, it's good to keep uh, expectations tempered and not be too unrealistic with trying to hit on every prospect. Because yeah, there's so many pitching prospects that some of these guys are going to have to be traded. Some of these guys are going to have to end up in the bullpen. So it's it's good to kind of keep that in mind as we see these guys progress through the system and, and keep it realistic as we move forward here. Yep, for sure. Uh, well, thank you so so much, folks, for joining us on episode 55. Uh, we did a back-to-back podcast uh, on you there, back-to-back. Uh, we hope to get a little more regimented with our schedules uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, hopefully have a beginning podcast, uh, a podcast at the beginning of the week with Patrick and I, and then one towards the end with guests. But it's kind of hard, uh, you know, scheduling and all. But uh, bear with us. Uh, we appreciate all of the feedback that we get. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I think we are good, Patrick. Is there anything else that we need to discuss before we get out of here? 
No, I'll take us right out of here. So we're uh, hosted on Podbean. You can uh, subscribe to us on there. Give us a follow. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave it. Leave it. Yeah, can't talk. Leave a review. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, James EBT underscore News EBT underscore J Clark. Our podcast is EBT Podcast. I'm at Patrick Brewer ninety three. Uh, we always appreciate the feedback. We always appreciate the support. Um, let us know if there's anything you'd like us to add, anything you'd like us to change. We're always open to suggestions. Uh, stay tuned for more good guests and uh, more good content. Thank you so much, folks. East Village Times Podcast, signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT Podcast. Padres EBT Podcast.